Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Kona, Hawaii with my new friend Mark Siosiola of discoverymap.com. Mark came to Kona eight years ago to start his business and loves being able to highlight local businesses and exploring the island's natural habitat. In this episode, Mark and I talk about drinking Kona coffee, watching the sea turtles at Penalulu Beach, and stargazing at Volcanoes National Park. You'll hear about these three amazing attractions and so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Kona. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Using airline miles and hotel points makes travel affordable, but keeping track of all those loyalty programs can be a challenge. That's why I use AwardWall to track my miles and points balances, reservations, and special goodies like free hotel night certificates and airline companion passes. Having everything in one easy-to-use dashboard helps ensure that I don't lose any rewards and makes logging into my accounts super easy. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash award wallet to start your free account. Hey, Mark. Welcome to the show. Hey, Lee. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So today we're talking about the big island of Hawaii. I've been to a couple of other islands, but I haven't been there yet. So I'm super excited to learn all about it. And I know you have some awesome tips for us. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk to you about it. Um, I absolutely love the Big Island. It is one of the least visited of the Hawaiian Islands, but definitely one of the most unique. So uh, looking forward to telling your audience all about it. So fantastic. What's your connection to, to Kona and the Big Island? So I came to Kona and the Big Island, it's been a little over eight years ago now, and I came to start my business, which is a discovery map. So I have spent the last eight years uh, literally mapping the Big Island and getting to know all of the different businesses, back roads, beaches, so on and so forth while I'm working. So it's been a pretty cool experience. That sounds like, a, like an amazing job. I mean, all you're doing is obviously you're doing business, but... Your whole job is just exploring and enjoying the island. I mean, that's that sounds like a dream. Yeah, it's so much fun. I get to connect with all of the local businesses, which is super cool, and all the tourists at the same time. And I always think of my job as is basically connecting the visitors with all of the cool things to do on the island. And so it is a really a win-win all the way around, um, you know, getting to help the local businesses get more visitors and also helping the visitors find all the cool local things to do on the island at the same time. So I love it. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I, I really love the your effort of promoting those smaller businesses because that's really what it's all about. Yeah, we're a very shop local piece. And so, you know, I deal with a lot of mom and pop businesses. You know, we're not a whole lot into the whole chains and things like that. And so we try to give everybody the the unique Hawaiian experience by dealing with businesses that are owned by your everyday uh, mom and pop people. Oh, fantastic. So like you said, you've been there for about eight years now. If you had to describe like the people or like the island in just a couple of words, how would you do that? I would say diverse. The big island is, it's diverse. It's so depending on which, you know, statistics you look at, there's anywhere between eight and 10 different climatic zones on the big island. So you can literally be in the desert and then drive an hour away and be in a rainforest. And so if you're on the coast and it's, it's hot, it's 80 degrees and you're like, I'm sick of all this sunshine, you can drive 30 to 45 minutes in inland, you know, up into upcountry Waimea, and the temperature could drop 15 to 20 degrees just like that. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. So it's, and then you drive another hour the other direction and you're literally in rainforest. And so the very first time I flew into the big island, you fly into Kona. And when you get off the plane and you get your car, you're going to be like, am I really in Hawaii? Because (laughs) it's lava flow. It's, it's crusted over hard lava from a couple hundred years ago. And it does not look like Hawaii. So I will warn you when you first fly in, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. There is green area on the island, but it is, you know, an eye opener when you first get there because it's not what you're expecting. I mean, the way you describe it, it sounds like you're almost like landing on a different planet, right? <laughs> it, it kind of looks like that. I mean, <laughs> I don't know really, you know, how to describe it, but it's, you've got this blacktop road literally going through black crusted over lava. Wow. And there's a good stretch of that western part of the island that is that is like that. And that I that side of the island is one of the driest spots in the world and the eastern side of the island where Hilo is is one of the wettest spots in the whole world. And so it's it's literally that diverse that you can go from one of the most rainy areas anywhere to one of the most driest areas anywhere. And that's because there are two uh, large volcanoes in the middle of the island. And so when you drive across to the other side, you're literally driving right between those two mountains, which, if measured from the base of the ocean, are two of the tallest mountains in the whole world. But they're so tall that when it rains in other parts of the island, it literally snows on top of those mountains. Wow. Yeah. So you can actually drive up to the top of Mauna Kea and see snow. And I've seen, you know, the locals will drive up there with their surfboards and they'll kind of try to slip <laughs> down Mauna Kea's snow with their surfboards. So it's quite a sight to be seen. But, you know, it is a big island. It's over 4,000 square miles, which is about a third the size of Rhode Island. But, you know, it's very sparsely populated, so it's not very crowded at all. And it's the most uh, what I call old world Hawaii. You know, it's not very built up. It's just very raw and quintessential kind of what you think about Hawaii. That's super cool. Let me just take a step back. When you were mentioning like the, the desert and the snow and everything, when people think of Hawaii, they're not thinking of deserts and snow and everything else. They're thinking of the beaches. They're thinking of like the lush greenscapes and everything else like that. And they have all those experiences in one spot. Like you said, like a fraction of the size of, of Rhode Island, which is like one of the smallest states anyways. That's just incredible. Yeah, it is. And it's and, and I'll go back to the word diverse and it, it just really is. And, you know, there are the beaches, there is the rainforest, there are the waterfalls, but you just have to know which part of the island to go to to find those. And they're there. There's not as many beaches as there are on some of the other islands. And so you don't have the miles and miles of coastline of beaches like you do on, say, Maui. But you know, you have more of the other kind of diverse activities to do here as well. You know, the Big Island does have a black sand beach. It has a green sand beach and some of those kind of things which you just don't, you know, you can't really see anywhere else. And so it's a sight to be seen. And of course, Volcanoes National Park, which is one of the only active volcanoes where you can go up and see lava, depending on on when you're there. Uh, That's just a totally unique experience that you can't find anywhere else. Oh, for sure. Now, when you mentioned like the black and the, and the green sand beaches, where would we find those? Like, is there a name for the beach? 
There is. So the the black sand beach and the green sand beach. So there's a couple black sand beaches. I'll start off with that. There's a small black sand beach up at the very northern part of the island called Polalu Valley. And basically, you just take the road up through Javi all the way till it ends and it dead ends into a you know little parking area. You park there and you can hike down into this valley and there's a, a little black sand beach there. It's more of a hiking trail. Um, it's not really a beach where you would hang out for the whole day, but it's it's a really cool hike and it's a really cool experience because you're in this valley all the way around and you've got the sea out to the north and this little black sand beach. So that's a really cool little hike. If you're wanting to go to an actual black sand beach where you can just drive up to it and you want to hang out for the whole day, that would be down in the southern southern part of the island. And it's called Punolulu Beach. And it's just black sand beach. Everybody knows it by that name. So you don't have to worry about calling it the Hawaiian name. Okay. <laughs> um, it's easy. You drive right up to it. It's kind of a coarse black sand but it's also famous for sea turtles. So there's these big giant sea turtles that just hang out there on the beach as well. And so you can walk up to them and take pictures and all of that kind of stuff. I would, I would say this for the listeners. Yeah, at a distance. <laughs> Stay at a distance. Don't yeah. go up and pet them and like get your selfie right next to them and everything like that. Like, no, be, be respectful. Absolutely. And they have signs up and everything when you go there too about, I forget what the actual distance is, but they have that on the signs as far as like how far away you have to stay and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I I have young kids and I don't want them like running up and like jumping on it, like, woo, like riding it like a horse or whatever. Like no kids (laughs) stay back. No. (laughs) And then the green sand beach is also down on the Southern part of the Island. It's really cool. It is you know, as a caveat, you have to have a four-wheel drive if you're going to drive up to it. Otherwise, there are locals that are there that will put you in the back of their pickup truck for 10 or $15 or whatever and, and take you there kind of as a, a little off-road taxi kind of deal. But otherwise, it's a, it's a pretty good hike to it if you want to walk it. And it is in direct sunlight, so I don't you know, unless you're have a lot of water and, and are pretty fit, I don't really recommend trying to hike it. But, uh, if you have a four wheel drive, you know, you can get there. Otherwise, you know, I would take up the, one of the locals offers on a ride up there. All right. That sounds good. Do you know the name of that one? Papa Keola. Okay. I'm, I'm totally going to butcher the, the spelling of these. We're going to, we'll have them in the, in the show notes <laughs> and on the map and everything like that. So that way, well, let's take a step back. Cause obviously when people think of Hawaii, it's all about beaches and hanging out and everything like that. But I think that there's so much more to, to learn about the island and everything. But but first, you mentioned earlier uh, about getting to the island. It's generally going to fly into Kona, but there's also the Hilo Airport too, right? So there's two different options if you're going to be flying, say, from like the West Coast or a different part of the U.S. over there to the big island, right? There are. Most of the flights do come into Kona, uh, and that's where most of the people will end up flying into The advantage to the Hilo side is that it is closer to the national park. And so if you're coming there specifically for the purpose of going to Hawaii Volcanoes National Park and you want to stay closer to that side, I would recommend flying into Hilo if that's your primary focus. But for most people that want to get, you know, a whole overview of the whole island, um, I would definitely recommend flying into Kona. And it's serviced really well directly into Kona from several cities on the West Coast. 
Delta flies in there, United flies in there, American, Alaskan, and Southwest actually just added flights as well. And so, you know, any of the Western cities, San Francisco, LA, Seattle, Portland, San Diego, you can all fly directly straight into Kona. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I love the Southwest did that. I've had the Southwest Companion Pass since uh, I think 2007. So now you have a reason to use it. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Right on. And you were mentioning earlier that uh, you should get a rental car because pretty much the way that the island, uh, the way I, what I've taken of it is that it's big enough where you want to have to have your own car. You don't have to be getting an Uber or shuttles or whatever else like that the entire trip. So get your own car and then that way you can drive around and be on your own schedule, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, If you don't have a car, you're just going to miss out on so much that it offers. Um, It is a pretty remote areas. It is a lot of off the beaten path kind of things. And if you're trying to do that on an Uber or or public transportation, it's going to be very difficult to impossible. And so definitely recommend the car. A lot of people like renting Jeeps, you know, the four by four, it's not a hundred percent necessary. You know, you can get by with a car, uh, but you know, if you do have a Jeep, it's going to give you, you know, a little bit more of that clearance so that you can hit some of those, you know, more off-roading type places. Okay, cool. That, that sounds pretty awesome. Well, let's talk about some of the other things we should do while we're there. Cause I know there's, like we talked about, there's an abundance of things to do beyond the beach. And so you go there for like a week, obviously spend a couple of days on the beach, relax, chill out, hit the water and everything else like that. But there's like so much more we should be, be doing when we hit the big island. Yeah, there is. I mean, you can do just about anything. Um, obviously, your your water activities, kayaking, snorkeling, you know, waterfalls are really big. Uh, there's some botanical gardens. Uh, you can go zip lining, take a helicopter tour. But, you know, some of the, the things that I really like are stuff that's unique to the Big Island. And maybe the most favorite thing I've ever done on the Big Island is go stargazing. And you might kind of say, wait, what? Stargazing in Hawaii? You don't really think about that. But, you know, where Hawaii is located, it's the most remote island chain in the world. And so if you look at a map, it is literally ocean all the way around for forever. People don't realize just how remote it is. And so that location mixed with the fact that you've got these two huge mountains in the middle of of the Big Island and very, very little light pollution makes it one of the most ideal, if not the most ideal place in the whole world to go stargazing. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's just breathtaking. You know, there's a company called Epic Tours that does these stargazing trips and it's a small group tour they usually do it like in a jeep or a a little sprinter van but you're looking at maybe four or six people that that you go up and they take you up one of the mountains obviously at night so we're looking at probably nine ten o'clock at night once it's good and dark and you drive up above the clouds and as soon as you get above the clouds, you can see stars everywhere. It is amazing. And then they they take your pictures and you can get silhouette pictures and all this kind of stuff of you in the stars. And I mean, we were looking at Saturn. We saw Jupiter. And actually, we were seeing constellations because of where we were at that typically you can only see in the southern hemisphere. They point out all the different constellations while you're up there. And, you know, words can just not describe how many stars there are in the sky when you get up there. So that that is something that I always recommend to people. It's not something you think about doing when you go to Hawaii. 
but me having been there for so long and done literally everything on the island, that is my top thing that I would recommend you do. That is amazing. My my podcast editor, Steve, he was just talking to me the other day about a place in Colorado that he was uh, going to go on a trip to. Uh, it's about the Dark Skies Initiative and kind of what you're talking about, the low light pollution, sparsely occupied as far as like number of people, everything like that. So that way you just have just incredible views of the night sky that, again, I'm from Southern California. <laughs> we have lights everywhere and we probably see like three stars in the sky. And uh, going to a place like that and just having that experience, it's probably mind blowing. Yeah. And, and they send you home with pictures of it too. It's just a really cool thing to remember that, like you said, you just can't, you can't do that anywhere else to that degree. Sure. Sure. What are some of the other things that are, that happened there on the Island? I, I was looking at something about like a chocolate farm tour. My wife loves chocolate. You know, I like chocolate. So where would we go for that? So they, they do have chocolate farms um, and then coffee farms are really popular as well. So, you know, you've got Kona coffee, which is world famous. And then you've got the Kona chocolate as well. So the place that I recommend for the chocolate farm tours is actually over on the Hilo side. It's called Lavaloha. And so you can think of it as, you know, Aloha is how everybody says hi in Hawaii and Lava, which is what the big island is famous for. You put those two together, you get Lavaloha. But they do a chocolate farm tour over on the Hilo side, and it's it's a really cool experience. You know, Hawaii, the climate and everything is pretty ideal for growing chocolate. And then they give you samples and, and all that fun stuff. So that's a really cool experience. The, the coffee farm tours are really cool as well. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I have family and friends that drink coffee and they say the Kona coffee is just amazing. So that's a back over on Kona side. There's a lot of different farms that do tours, but Greenwell Farms and Minahune Coffee Company are two of the ones that do a really good job of the coffee farm tours over on the Kona side. And then if you have kids, one of the coolest things on the island for kids is there's a place called the Kanaloa Octopus Farm. And you go in and they have live octopus that you get to interact with and you get to feed them. You get to watch them swim. You can put your hands in the tank. I had, you know, the octopus wrapped his tentacles around my finger and you can feel their suction cups and everything. (laughs) And so it's something that the kids really, you know, get a kick out of. They give you a little crab leg that you get to feed them and everything. And they teach you all about the octopus and Uh, They're actually the smartest animal that doesn't have a backbone. So they are pretty bright, you know, animals and you can get your pictures taken with them and all that kind of stuff. So that's something that the kids get a kick out of. Oh, yeah. I I know my kids would love that. They might freak out a little bit with the uh, the suction cups (laughs) and everything, but I I know that'd be a a really memorable experience for them. So speaking of memorable experiences when when you're in Hawaii, obviously, I know that the food culture there is really amazing as well. A lot of like really cool textures and tastes and everything. What are some of the places that we should look at when we're when we're there in, uh, on the Big Island as far as having those local experiences? Yeah, so there, there's a lot of uh, really good local places. I mean, the cuisine in general is very, it's uh, seafood driven. You know, you have a lot of the different fishes, the ahis and the onos and things like that. Um, and then the salsas and toppings and all that kind of stuff are made with a tropical flair. So you've got pineapples and mango and things like that. So, you know, in general, that's what you're looking at, you know, lots of good restaurants in Kona. I would recommend Foster's Kitchen, which is a local restaurant. Uh, They have two locations, actually one in Kona and then one up the coast a little bit in Waikoloa, but they make everything from scratch. So, you know, everything right down to their ketchup and mayonnaise they make in-house 
they use uh, all local and organic, you know, ingredients and everything. And they have a really diverse menu as well. So they do all the traditional Hawaii staples, but then they also do Southern barbecue and, you know, just kind of some stuff that you might not expect in Hawaii as well. So there's something on that menu for everybody, you know, no matter what, you, what you're into. And they have a really good kids menu as well. They have a nice ocean view at their Kona location. So it's on the second floor of a building. So you're, you know, elevated and you've got a nice view of the sea and everything right out there dining room. So, you know, that's a really good spot. Papa Kona is in Kona as well. They have really good views. They are literally right on the water as well. And they have a, a really good menu of a lot of local Hawaiian staples. But in general, I think poke bowls are really popular. I'm not a big poke bowl fan myself because I'm not a big raw fish fan. But, you know, for people that like uh, raw fish, poke bowls are really popular. And I know I've, I talk to people just walking down the street. They're like, where's the best place to get poke bowls? And so from some of my friends and stuff that have have eaten a bunch of the different ones around the island, uh, there's a place called Pauhana Poke which is up by Costco. And so that's typically the first stop for most people when they come into the island is they go to the Costco and stock up on a lot of food and stuff like that if they're staying in like an Airbnb or whatever. And so you go right past Pauhana Poke on your way to Costco. And so you can pick up a poke bowl there. Yeah, that, I think that's one of the great things about whether it's an Airbnb or like a condo or, or like a timeshare or whatever, having that kitchen so that way you can you can make some food yourself, save a little bit of money, but still then have the extra cash from your travel budget to be able to explore a little bit on some of these experiences and, and try all the different local foods that you want to be able to try without kind of feeling like you're, you're breaking your budget. Yeah, exactly. And that's something I always encourage people to do, you know, whenever possible is to try to get a place with a kitchen. And, you know, we can talk about that a little bit later, I guess. But, you know, there are some good places that I can recommend, you know, where you can try to get some deals on on things like that and save some money, too. Sure, sure. So I know like whenever I have like a timeshare or a condo, a lot of times we eat like breakfast and everything like that in our unit. But if we want to go out someplace and, and enjoy something local for, for breakfast, where would we go for that? So when you go to Hawaii, I always love eating acai bowls for breakfast. And in Hawaii, they do a really good job of topping them out with your local fruits. And so you get a very tropical feel uh, to an acai bowl. And so for those of you not familiar with an acai bowl, you have the frozen acai puree topped with granola and fruit. And so in Hawaii, it's a lot of, you know, you got your bananas, obviously, but then pineapple and mangoes and papayas and those kind of tropical fruits. And it just gives you a really good feel for the different kinds of fruits and stuff that you can find on the island. And there are two places uh, that do a really good job uh, with the acai bowls. One is a place called Loco Wraps, and they're right by the post office in Kona. Then the other one is called Basic Cafe, and they are uh, on Ali'i Drive, which is the main tourist uh, drive right there in Kona. They both do a really good job with uh, acai bowls, and that that would be my go-to for breakfast. Nice. Yeah, it's something light, refreshing, healthy, gets you ready to rock and roll either with your bikini at the beach or getting ready to go up on a nice hike. Exactly. So say if I'm maybe we bring grandma with us and we're going to leave the kids with them or we find somebody to kind of babysit the kids for, for a few hours. And I wanted to go out someplace nice uh, for dinner with my wife. Uh, where would we go for that? 
And yeah, so I mean, after you finish your dinner, uh, there's a place called Gertrude's Jazz Bar, um, which is right on Ali Drive in Kona. And they have live music every night. It's a, a lot of jazz, um, but they do have some other types of music as well. But it's just a really fun place uh, for live music. And you can actually hear the music just walking up and down the strips. So, you know, if you're out at night strolling around, just listen for the music and let it lead you there. But it's just a really cool vibe. You know, they have light food that you can get snacks and things like that. But it's really all about the atmosphere and they do a really good job there. Well, that sounds fun. As parents of like young children, few and far between do we actually get out to go out and, and dance and everything like that. So I think that'd be a, a really good night. Mark, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing tips for the Big Island. I know I've learned a lot, but now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited the Big Island, where should they go and what should they eat? So if I have the time for one meal, I'm going to go to Foster's Kitchen in Kona and have the fish tacos. And then after that, I'm going to go get some gelato or some shave ice. Both of those are really fantastic. Gypsy gelato right across the street from Foster's Kitchen or one Aloha shave ice right there in Kona as well. Depending on what you're looking for, both are fantastic. Oh, nice. That sounds like uh, like a wonderful night for sure. You've obviously, like you said, you've been in, in the Big Island for the last eight years. You've had some probably pretty amazing stories. Which one are your most memorable? I mean, there's so many. Just the the vibe for the Big Island, uh, there was one story that just really epitomizes kind of just the laid back atmosphere. A friend of mine and I, we were driving along the road and you know how when they have construction and they have the road down to one lane, and you've got the construction guy there with the sign that you turn over that says stop or slow. And they've got the cones down the middle of the road. Well, we, we get up to the construction point and the worker was sitting there. He had his beach chair out in the middle of the road. <laughs> he had a cooler out. He had his feet up on the cooler. He was sipping a cold one. And he had his stop slash slow sign propped in one of the orange construction cones. <laughs> and as the cars were coming, never letting go of his cold one, he had his other hand on the little sign and he just rotated it right there. And you drive past and he never had to move a muscle. So that's just <laughs> the way the Big Island is, is it's, you know, people are just enjoying life, enjoying the weather, not really letting anything bother you, not in a hurry, just kind of go with the flow. I think I need to hurry up and retire and, and uh, see if I can apply for that job. <laughs> that's a pretty good gig, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a, nothing like getting paid to drink. That sounds pretty good. So speaking of drinking and uh, happy times, where's the happiest happy hour in the Big Island? Well, I'm not a, a big drinker, but there's a, a really cool spot called Ola Bruco. And they serve some food, but they have their brewery. And they also have hard teas and hard seltzers. And they make everything with locally grown ingredients right on the Big Island. Uh, they're really big into you know helping out the local farmers and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's just a really cool vibe all the way around Ola, Bruco, and Kona. That sounds like a perfect spot. Now, one of the things I always do whenever I travel is check out the local pizza. So what's the best place for pepperoni pizza? Uh, I'm going to send you to Black Rock Pizza, and that is in Kalakaikua. So that is about 15 minutes south of Kona. They have amazing pizza and also breathtaking views uh, off their back patio. So you can go get a pizza, sit outside on their patio, and just l overlook miles of blue ocean. Oh, that sounds uh, that sounds amazing. 
I'm, uh, I'm landlocked here over <laughs> in, in Nashville, you know, other than like some lakes and everything like that. And so uh, I miss the beach and I miss uh, being able to just hang out in those warm waters like that. I'm doing a little daydreaming here while I should be talking to you. <laughs> you should go. You would love it. Uh, absolutely. So obviously, you know so much about the Big Island. You probably have some great travel tips. What's one of your best? I'm going to go a little bit out of the box here. I know you have had a lot of guests that have had a lot of really good travel tips. And so one thing that I've been able to do myself and been fortunate to do that a lot of not a lot of people are familiar with is I was actually able to go get a second passport. And so I found out through my ancestry, my family's Italian, that I was actually eligible for an Italian passport. And so I went through the process and uh, was able to go reclaim my citizenship. So I have a dual citizenship between the U.S. and Italy now. And that's enabled me to travel, you know, even during the pandemic, you know, when Europe has been shut down, you know, I was able to travel over to Europe with the Italian passport and then come back to the U.S. as well. So it's really opened up a lot of opportunities uh, for me. And depending on what your ancestry is, there are a few different countries where people are eligible for second passports and they don't realize it. And so I just encourage people to kind of look into that and see if that's something you might be eligible for. Ireland, Italy, Greece, Hungary, Poland, Germany, those are some of the countries that do, you know, award citizenship based on your descendants. So I would just encourage people to take a look at that. That's a fantastic tip. Yeah, I, I've looked into that a little bit because I, I know, especially during the pandemic, there were a lot of different countries that allowed you to, to kind of purchase a second passport in the sense that if, if you invest a certain amount in their country, whether it be buying property, buying a business or something like that, and that was a way to be able to get your passport. And, and the U.S. passport is wonderful. It, it's very powerful. There's so many different places you can go. But there are certain countries where you know Americans really aren't welcome, the U.S. passport, or there's restrictions from the U.S. government that don't allow you to go to those countries, even though you would be welcome there. And so... Uh, having that second passport is a huge uh, opportunity to be able to explore the world. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, like you said, there are places where you can invest in, and get a second passport. You know, but even for those who aren't in a position to do that, a lot of people are are eligible through through their family tree, through their history, uh, their ancestry. And so that's something that you know I just encourage people to take a look at and see if you might be one of those people. Well, fantastic. Well, well, Mark, I really appreciate you sharing that tip. And and I think if you're reaching out, just talking before, I found out that you're a listener of the show and, and you just reached out and said, hey, I'd, I'd love to be able to talk about where I live. And so I want to encourage other uh, listeners to do the same thing. Can you tell us a little about who you are, what you do, and then what's the best way for people to reach you on social media if they have questions about your map or about the Big Island? Yeah. So like I mentioned a little bit at the beginning, I published the Discovery Map for the Big Island of Hawaii. And Discovery Map is the largest uh, tourist map franchise in the country. There's over 130 maps throughout the country. And I'm fortunate to have the one on the Big Island. And so I absolutely love connecting uh, the visitors to the island uh, with the local businesses. And so that's my passion and, you know, helping out the local businesses and the visitors at the same time. And I'm available if anybody has any questions, you know, feel free to reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at Mark Maps the World. And I'm also on Twitter at Mark Ciociola, M-A-R-K-C-I-O-C-I-O-L-A. Well, fantastic. We'll have links to all that in the show notes. And Mark, it's been a pleasure to meet you and learn all about the Big Island. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Thanks so much, Lee. 
What an interesting conversation with Mark. I'd love to visit Kona to see the volcanoes and see all the stars. And I know that my wife would love all the coffee. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash Kona. We want to say thank you to AwardWall for being today's affiliate partner. It's my favorite way to check airline miles, hotel points, and other loyalty programs. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash AwardWallet to start your free account today. Join us next time as we visit Brighton, England to speak with my new friend Sarah Darling of sarahdarling.com. In this episode, Sarah and I talk about the burning of the clocks parade, windsurfing in Hove Lagoon, and exploring the Upside Down House. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app so we don't miss any of our coming destinations. 